0: All right, it's the latest edition of Bourbon Biscuits and Bar Burners. Chris Kerber, Tim Woodburn with you, John Hadley, part of the cast as well. And fellas, big news for the St. Louis Blues to kick off our podcast. Huge news for the St. Louis Blues. The Blues have announced that they have signed Jordan Bennington to a contract extension. He signs a deal for a six-year contract worth $6 million on average per year. The St. Louis Blues have locked up the only goaltender that has brought them a Stanley Cup championship. This is some big time news and some great news for the St. Louis Blues. And let's just start with you, Tim. Uh, you know, your first reaction to hearing this when this broke this evening?
1: I I'm ecstatic as a Blues fan. I guess I'm a, a little marginally surprised that he didn't get more. I thought he had bargaining power to to you know really become. The elite, if not one of the top three or four goaltenders paid in the National Hockey. I don't know where this ranks him in salary in the in the NHL, uh, but that's not my deal. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad they got him. I'm glad they got it locked up. I'm glad it didn't become an off-season thing. I'm glad he can now concentrate on leading this team for the second half of the season and not have that albatross hanging over his head.
2: I've made my stance on Bennington clear during the off-season with you privately on this show I've I've said I've never had a problem with Bennington and Annette, that as far as I'm concerned, as long as he has a decent cast in front of him, this team will probably win another Stanley Cup. Uh, I I think ultimately this is something the Blues had to do. It's great news to hear that it's done, but I don't know that they had an option. Because I can tell you this much right now, you can play a, a number of games without Tarasenko. You can survive... Hopefully, hopefully, survive a month or so without a uh, month and a half without Pareco. You can go down the list. You can't, you, this team cannot go out and get someone capable of filling the shoes of Jordan Bennington. So for the team, kudos for getting it done. For the fans, you got yourself a goalie that has a chance of putting you into the Stanley Cup each and every year. And for me, that just means it's going to be a lot easier for my predictions. Because as long as he's between pipes, chances are I'll be taking to blues the majority of the game.
0: Okay, several different ways to break this down. Let's just start with the simple numbers of of his career going into games this weekend, and you expect we expect that he's going to start tomorrow night on Friday night against the Vegas Golden Knights. Going into games this weekend, he's played in 102 NHL games. He has started 99 of them. His next game will be his 100th career start. He has put together a record in three c. Well, let's just say in two and a half plus one game one year, right? So not even three full seasons yet, I guess in in terms of entire seasons from start to finish, a record of 63, 24, and eleven, a nine fifteen save percentage, a two thirty eight goals against average. He was a Vez, He wasn't a Vesna finalist, but he was in. He was top five. In a, as a Vesna vote for the 1819 season, his championship season, when uh, when he was also finished second in the Calder voting to Pedersen, right, and then last season he finished seventh in the Vesna voting. So in terms of Vesna voting, each of the last two years he has finished seventh or higher of goaltenders in the National Hockey League. He's 27 years of age. The Blues locked him up for six years, and as you're right, Tim Tim, six million per. Now, the one thing that makes us smart, and we'll have to wait and see how eventually the, the pay breaks down because you take that average of $36 million and they could give more one year, less one year, but the average is the AAV that hits towards the salary cap. But you're in a situation where you are dealing with a flat cap in the National Hockey League. And Gary Bettman even yesterday came out and said that teams are moving forward with the understanding that it's going to be a flat cap or close to it for the foreseeable future. That being the case, and then seeing what happened around the National Hockey League with free agency last season. If the right deal is there, it's a smart thing to take it. And I think he did that in this case, and I think Doug Armstrong once again comes across with a very good, smart contract that allows him to keep other pieces of his team together. Well, I'll put it to you, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. If these numbers are correct, and I don't know how to pronounce it, and
2: I apologize, I probably should because I often reference it because I trust it because it's a good site for contracts. I don't know if it's Spotrack or Spotrack or whatever. S P O T R A C.com. They do a pretty good job of tracking the contracts. This year, the highest paid goalies are carry Price at 10.5, Orowski for 10. Hasoleski at nine five, Mark Andre at seven, John Gibson at six four, Matthew Murray at six two five, Connor Hallibuck at roughly sixty uh, six point two, and Jacob Markstrom at six. And that's average salary over the course of their career, factored in for two thousand one. So
1: So I count nine. You you just rattle off nine goalies, that makes them the tenth highest paid goalie in the league based on what you just said.
2: Well, again, I, I, I would, you didn't you, I, would have thought, I would
1: have thought he would have done a little better. I, I'm glad. I'm glad they got him. Don't get me wrong. I, I would have thought he would have done a little
2: better. I mean, this is this is, this is this is. I, I was wrong about the Blackhawks this year, and I was wrong about Doug Armstrong two years ago. I would not have been remotely disappointed if Doug Armstrong was let go by this organization. And in the end, I look foolish for even thinking of it. So there you go. Based on current contracts on average for 2022, uh, there's seven ahead of him, So he would rank eight okay. at that point in time. But so still again, not only do you get a guy who is proven clutch, not only do you get a guy, give a guy who is stabilized, arguably one of the five most important position in all of sports for your franchise, you get him at a price that's incredibly digestible and incredibly uh, an, an incredible value. I mean, it's just, hey, good for Bennington, good for the Blues, good for Blues fans, good for hockey, because now the entire world will be seeing that glorious, glorious jersey and deep into postseason play for years to come. Viva la Armstrong, viva la Blues, viva la Bennington, and viva la Woodburn for being able to count so quickly. <laughs>
0: Guys, I'm going to tell you what, what I – when you see Jordan Bennington on a daily basis and you get to talk to him, even on a personal level, his personality is even better than what you see in the media. And he likes to play that game with Jim Thomas in the media, and it's fun. He believes that, hey, the media should be held responsible to hold so ask some good questions from time to time too, and I, and I don't disagree with him. That competitiveness, that competitive fire, what he brings – You don't have another goalie ready to step in yet. So with these numbers coming in about where they are, somewhere between six, you know, in that area, anywhere between six or seven would have been considered a terrific deal here. And the challenge is, is because he's come into the scene a little bit late, right, he's 27 years of age now, but he has won a Stanley Cup. Carey Price cannot say that. And we're going to talk about Carey Price coming up here in just a couple of minutes because we were ahead of the curve in some of the league-wide conversation on this topic, but Carey Price cannot say that, right? Sergei Bobrovsky cannot say that. Hey, you can take all the Vesna trophies you want, right? But but it's the Stanley Cup one that matters, okay? Vasilevsky, yeah, he can say that. That that's your best goaltender in the National Hockey League right now is Andre Vasilevsky, all right? But some of the others getting to paid that money, they they can't say that. The Blues not only did that, so you get this competitive goaltender that is still hungry, that is a, that 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 has fire in his belly that that we haven't seen in some goaltenders around the National Hockey League in a while, and that's going to be one of the key pieces that helps you stay in a competitive window to challenge for another Stanley Cup. But to get it done at the price you did in a year where you're going to have to find a way to to re-sign Jaden Schwartz, you now have a situation, and and think about this, and this, this Doug Armstrong may right now be proving to be one of the best cap management general managers since the inception of the cap. Well, well, I was going to give you some numbers here, Tim, real quick. Check this out. Vladimir Tarasenko under contract for two more years at 7.5. Ryan O'Reilly under contract. He makes a trade for him after this season for two more years at 7.5. Braden Shen. Under contract after this season, right, for one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six more years at 6.5, right? You've got the defenseman in Justin Falk at 28 years of age locked up for six more years after this at 6.5. Tori Krug, six more years after this at 6.5. Marco Scandella, two more years, I'm sorry, three more years after this at 3.2. Now, they're going to have to get, after next season, Colton Pareko, who's at 5.5 this year, signed. You've got to get Jaden Schwartz signed this year. But, fellas, like, he's put the kind of contracts in place that allow you to bring other guys in that will help you win some championships, I hope. They're, they're, not one of these contracts is an unmanageable contract.
2: Oh, in fact, uh, seriously, if, if if you do the uh, the comparable due diligence based on average salary breakdown, both O'Reilly and Shen are incredibly reasonably priced. Dadgum, I, I, this, this this Armstrong cat, I, I don't know. I've, seriously, in 30 years of doing sports analysis, behind the scenes, radio, radio, TV, print, you name it, I don't know that I have been more wrong about a GM than I was about Doug Armstrong. Sucks to be that wrong. Sucks what, to be me.
1: What makes this signing also... Uh, topical in terms of what we do here on this podcast is that, you know, with the Seattle Kraken coming into the National Hockey League next year, teams can only protect one goalie. And with Bennington being an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season, I I wondered how Doug Armstrong would strategize the timing of his signing. Would he wait? Would he protect Pusso and let Bennington just kind of float out there until the Kraken have their draft? And then after the Kraken have their draft, then sign Bennington. Well, what today he's doing is, is he's locking Bennington in and not even allowing him to flirt with any other teams. And now the Blues, I'm not sure how high they are still on him. I assume they are. Now the Blues will have to expose Billy Huso to the Seattle Kraken.
0: The other thing, though, and we started this, who else do you got? You're not turning this team over to Billy Huso right now. Joel Hofer is not yeah. obviously. Not ready. You don't have anybody else here, and this is what makes this such a, a spectacular deal for the St. Louis Blues. It's a reasonable deal. It's a fair deal. It, it's good for both. It's given him raises in a few short years, you know. And, and the difference is, is you, you're not doing this, You're not giving this to a 25 year old goaltender. You're giving it to a 27 year old goaltender. that's going to take yeah. him till he's, he's 33. I mean, this is this is a really a, a, just another smart signing. Any way I look at this one, fellas, uh, value in signing, uh, what Jordan Bennington is, where you are as a franchise, all this together, and I I can tell you that I think that this is just another great day for the St. Louis Blues to continue their competitive window that they're in. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll tell you this much right now. I like to paint with broad strokes, and ultimately,
2: if you look over the next few years, there's one, maybe two defensemen in this organization that you believe to be legit top drawer prospects. One who may who may be a number one uh, a, a couple years from now. You throw in one or two of those prospects with the fact that you already have Krug and Falk taken care of, if somehow some way they tie down Pareko, You tell me one team in this league, that is in better shape over the course of the next several years when it comes to defense and goaltending in the St. Louis Blues. He's a Pareko contract away from tying down as good a group as any team in this league will have over the course of the next three or four years. Seriously, it's it's not only just the signing of Bennington himself; it's the entire. However, you want to reference it back seven or back three, depending upon whether you're looking at the big picture or who's on the ice at any given time.
1: Well, and the problem is, is that, you know, like when the Chicago Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups in a period of less than eight years, you know, so many players played so many important roles that Stan Bowman, their GM, eventually just had to let guys go because they didn't have room. They had to sign Kane and pay to mega money. They had to sign Keith. And Seabrook to mega money and guys like Buffigan and and others uh, had to be let go. And, and I'm let
2: me let me let me ask you a question.
1: Well, I, I'm just do you, do question, you
2: think just, one Blackhawks fan would give up those Stanley Cups because of those signings? No, but my point
1: is, no, I don't. But my point is, I, I think at some point, Blues fans are going to have to absorb, and Doug Armstrong is going to have to absorb that you can't keep everybody. When it comes time to re-up in time, and whether that's losing a Schwartz or a Pareko or somebody, it, you know, as Chris said earlier in the show, with, with with the NHL having a flat cap and everybody wanting fat raises, at some point you're going to hit that wall, and it's a question of who do you who do you let go? You know, I I don't know that long term Schwartz and Pareko and any other guys that are coming up for extensions can stick around when you have Tarasenko and Shen and O'Reilly, and and now Bennington having signed way fatter contracts than they initially had. I mean, at some point, at some point you hit a ceiling.
2: Uh, Well, I'll put it to you this way. I'll wait for that ceiling because I would rather have Jordan Bennington under contract than Jaden
0: Schwartz. I mean, it's just that simple.
1: to make, and 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 those are the the hard decisions. Yeah, but now you can do both. But,
0: guys, you're missing – yeah, but, fellas, Tim, you're absolutely right. But the point is – The point is, is because you're not because you don't have that that Eric Carlson at eleven and a half million per year kind of signing. You don't have a goaltender tied up at ten and a half million when you feel that the wheelhouse between your two goaltenders is around nine million, is what you'd like to put put aside, and that's the philosophy they're working on. You you do that. The the difference is is now because of this, you can re-sign him. Sidney Crosby signed a deal that was favorable to the Pittsburgh Penguins because it allowed them to keep some other players to keep a window going, and they won some more Stanley Cups. That's what the St. Louis Blues are doing right now. If Jordan Bindington has to be signed for $10 million, yes, then maybe not. But right now, that kind of deal will allow you to potentially keep a Jaden Schwartz and a Colton Pareko, and that's why it's that important. I would not be surprised to see the St. Louis Blues represented as a team in the Olympics. Go ahead. Well, that's a topic for another day. But you're absolutely right. From a coach all the way How's down, absolutely, Ab- absolutely. All right, we're going to stick with goaltending here because we were ahead of things with Carey Price a couple of weeks ago. As you guys know, the amazingly popular, uh, the, the most popular podcast in in hockey is Spitting Chicklets. What what Whitney and Biznasty have done has just been absolutely fantastic. The brand that they've built is is special, and and it really is cool, and it's a it's a fun listen to. Well, they had Jeff Merrick on. On their the latest podcast, and for those that don't know, Jeff Merrick, Jeff Merrick's on Sportsnet. He's hosted a lot of their you know hockey at noon shows. Uh, one of their on air personalities. They asked the question: Is Carey Price still elite? Here was his answer: Carey Price is a good goaltender who used to be a great goaltender who used to be an elite goaltender. We haven't seen that guy since 2016, 2017. But for whatever reason, NHL players won't say it. Generally, media in Canada won't talk about it. The good news is, is if fans listen to this podcast, we did talk about it. And we did that about a couple of weeks ago when Montreal started making those changes there. But at some point in time, you know, the proof is going to have to be in the pudding there. And uh, it so far hasn't been there with the up and down performances that Carey Price has delivered to the table. But I just wanted to give you guys some... Uh, some props on this topic from a couple of weeks ago because we were all over this and now it's becoming more of a hot button one around the National Hockey League.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I'll tell you I'll tell you this much right now. Without a co when you get right down to it, I'm not so sure that they didn't get that idea from us. <laughs> these people, these people know where they're going to get the real deal. And you can spit chiclets, although I don't know why you would because they're tasty little gum. But the fact of the matter is, this is the place to be. It's just,
1: that's simple. Well, he, he, he's certainly gotten better since he suffered the wrath of Kerber, Hadley, and Woodburn because 3-0-1 in his last four starts, he's only allowed one goal in each of those four starts. So, uh, of course, there was a coaching change thrown in there as well. But certainly at the time, I, I'm i a firm believer that his play over about a five-game stretch is probably what got their coach
0: fired. I actually agree with you. And then, I mean, not just their head coach, but their longtime goaltending coach that he had worked with. So Sean Burt comes in. And, you know, sometimes – Sometimes that is just a it is it is enough of a wake up call uh, to 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 kind of see what happens. But I thought that that was here. It is a couple weeks later, and now that's some of the topic going around the National Hockey League, which I thought was a would be a fun way for us to uh, pet ourselves on the back and start this week. What did you guys think? And uh, how? What was your reaction to the news that broke yesterday that ESPN would be returning as a national broadcaster for the National Hockey League?
2: Well, I think I. I I mean, I'm, I'm happy to see ES, ESPN back into the mix. I'll put it to you that way. If ESPN was to own hockey, I would have an issue with it because I don't think ESPN has ever properly uh, handled hockey um, in the truest sense. But ESPN being a part of the package is absolutely fabulous. And if you have two legit networks broadcasting the game, I think this could be the best thing to happen to hockey in a long, long time. Maybe the best thing to happen to hockey since Wayne Gretzky, and I'm serious. Well, because you know, because the the streaming aspect of things will be equally as important. And if if NBC does keep a piece of it, then obviously you're going to see it on Peacock. You'll see it on NBC Sports. You know, and I I don't know if Fox is legitimately in this mix. But if they do, or if they are, you're going to have Fox, you're going to have FS1, and whatever streaming service Fox chooses to affiliate with. So I, I just don't I don't see how the league can lose in this. And oftentimes, Curbs, going back to two decades ago when we were working together, we talked about some of the poor decisions the league made with broadcasting and this, that, and the other. This is whoever's handling these negotiations. I don't know if they're lucky because of the advent of streaming and this, that, and the other thing, but wow! I could not be happier for the NHL.
1: I wasn't all that excited about it. I got, I got to take the other side of the fence on this, John. The the NHL always has been and always will be little brother to the NBA when it comes to all things ESPN. Their hockey coverage once when they when they quit airing the games, their hockey coverage was limited to showing a highlight of maybe one or two games and having Barry Melrose on for like a five minute segment, you know, a couple of times a week. I mean and, and the NBA is always gonna dominate that station. That's why, that's why I haven't watched sports there in years. I, I watched all my highlights on NHL.com dot or, or or somewhere else. Uh I thought NBC Sports with Catherine Tappen and Keith Jones and, and, and even Roenick and Milbury, and I realize they're both not there now, but the, the, the way that they handled the pregame stuff, the intermission stuff, and the breakdown stuff, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it, the, the set was fantastic. I thought the way that they interacted was fantastic. I don't know what personalities are going to carry their coverage from a, uh, from a hosting standpoint, from a studio standpoint, or even a play-by-play standpoint. But, you know, at least NBC and NBC Sports Really, really blew the NHL out of the out of the water with regard to their PR of it and their coverage of it and their constant promoing of it. And I just, I just don't recall ESPN ever being uh, that capable or that willing. Maybe is a better word of doing that. And and I hope they will for the sake of the NHL. Well, well I think we have to put actually, some
0: historical perspective into this. Okay. I mean, let me just, let me just say well, let me just say one thing. Herb. Yeah, go ahead. Seriously,
2: Tim, I don't disagree with your assessment. Believe me, I don't remotely disagree. I, mean, I uh, One of the guys who, who put his stamp on the NHL coverage, Sam Flood, I worked for Sammy nearly 30 years ago when he was just coming up through the NBC ranks. I know he's a diehard hockey guy. I know he plays hockey still. I know he's a diehard Bruin guy. Um, and he takes the sport serious. The only issue I would take with your statement is you might get the best of both worlds. What what makes you think NBC will do anything but top knock coverage if they if they get the other half of it? Well then you have the NBC coverage plus the ESPN coverage, plus ESPN being forced to at least be a little bit more proactive with the sport because we can say whatever we want. ESPN is still the most dominant force in sports today.
1: Well, and you're right. And and to your point, the NHL network didn't exist when ESPN uh, had, had the rights the, the last time. So, you know, for junkies like me who want to see promoing of the sport and constant talk about the sport and, and issues going on around the league, I, I at least have that venue to get my fix. I, I don't need ESPN to provide that anymore. Back in the old days, you sort of needed ESPN to
0: provide that. Well, so – Okay, Kirby, we'll let you talk. No, keep going, boys. <laughs> L- listen, I just – you have to look at this from a couple of different ways. One, it's been 17 years, okay, since ESPN had the contract. I don't think there is anything that either one of you guys have said that uh, that people I think could remotely even argue with, especially the criticism of what the coverage was like towards the end of ESPN's tenure there. Now, going into that 0405 lockout, ESPN had an out clause, and they took it. And I got to be honest with you, I don't think, knowing that the state of the game and where the league was and all that stuff, I don't know that I'd have blamed anybody for taking it, right? But ESPN took it. Now, that frustrated the commissioner, Gary Bettman, at the time, and Gary Bettman goes another way. That starts the long run with the Ed Snyder family of TV networks. Of course, you know, at the time, he also owned the Philadelphia Flyers. So you go with, it goes OLN, OLN becomes versus, you know versus eventually grows into in, into what is now NBC Sports Network. I mean that that that's been kind of the the evolution of, of that process and the National Hockey League I think played a massive massive role in what became the NBC Sports Network which as we now know is going to disappear. All right? So the time has come with where the league is with the numbers it is. And there's in the National Hockey League has been pretty good and proactive in the digital universe where the NHL audience trends younger than the other audiences right now. That looks good for ESPN. So you take the demographic side of it, you take the technical side of it, and the time was right now for for one one thing that the National Hockey League had to have happen this time, that they could have potentially have had happen last time. and, And so ESPN also, 10 years ago, when the blue when when the and NA, National Hockey League signed their exclusive deal with the NBC Sports Group, ESPN was negotiating to get the deal. Then they haven't sat on the sidelines for seventeen years, saying, "Ah, we don't want in yet." It just didn't go their way, and I still do believe in the back of my head, somewhere along the lines, that the oh five oh six dumping of the NHL was was part of the reason that that happened. Having said that. I think that NBC has done a hell of a job with their coverage over the 10 years. They grew into it. They made it a showcase. They, you would I, there was something spectacular seeing you know your, your Winter classic being promoted in the middle of a major golf event or some other sporting event or the, the cross sections with Eddie Olczyk on the horse racing and the you know and, and the National Hockey League. I think he, I think NBC deserves a ton of credit for where they are. Now, what does the changing of NBC Sports Network and all that co-branding and stuff do and how that plays a role in it? I don't know, but I will say this. Whether it's NBC, whether it's Fox, and I don't have the inside dope in terms of who's got the lead for the other part of it, it's about time that the National Hockey League in the United States had dual network partners. Every other sport in the United States has had that, whether it be golf, basketball, baseball, football, Somewhere or another, they've had it. And you have games played every single night during the week. You've got opportunities for different packages. We know that the demand of live sports is one of the things driving network subscriptions and streaming subscriptions. I mean, that that's why you see these packages still put together. So to me, the fact that they are, for the first time, going to finally have a dual network option is absolutely critical for the NHL, it's important for the NHL, it's huge for the NHL and it's about time.
2: Well, and you have two groups, regardless of whether it's NBC or Fox, I've had the fortune of working for both for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. I have no intentions of doing TV again, so I'm not saying this to placate anyone. I'm just telling you that the <clears throat> the NHL would be in great shape with either one. because like I said before, Sam Flood is uh, is about fifty percent genius, and I know the the leadership, uh, and in particular the guys who will handle the day to day coverage for sports at Fox, and they're among the most creative guys in the world. And I'm telling you, it is this is this is a great day for hockey because no matter how this turns out, there's going to be more and better exposure for this sport, and as, as far as I know the it's not the NHL network that's going away. It's just uh, NHL TV right. uh, and uh, the NHL streaming package that's going away. I mean, it just it, – it could not be – I don't know that there is a sport in all seriousness. I don't know that there is a sport that is any more fortunate than hockey when it comes to the evolution of the way that we consume our sporting events than, uh, than hockey because you have to have legit streaming service availability. And Peacock is, is a, is is quickly becoming a very popular network in part because it's free, you know? So I, if it's on Peacock, I just don't know what Fox would use as a streaming service, to be honest with you, which is why I believe the NBC pack, the
0: NBC will remain a part of this pack. I'm going to, okay. Can we, I gotta, I gotta talk to you guys about the streaming stuff for a second, though. Okay, like if the 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 single most important feature for my TV viewing needs, okay, is the rewind button. It's the it's the DVR capability to rewind the action, and I gotta tell you, I've tried YouTube TV for a little bit. I've tried Hulu because I, like many people, have been caught in the, the Fox Sports uh, Midwest uh, quagmire, um, you know, well, the, what would soon be, you know, across the country for so many fans, right? I still have Dish Network because their their DVR capabilities are the best um, because of the whole home DVR aspect of things, you name it, okay? But, man, it, like, you know, I'm watching the Premier League on Peacock, right? And and you go to rewind, and it's just, rewinding the action is cumbersome, but nothing, Fires me up more than rewinding past a commercial that's already been played, and then I gotta sit back and watch the damn thing again. Like that drives me nuts. <laughs>
2: this is like, a, this is this is the first time that I've ever heard you sound like a
0: millennial. Go ahead. Like a what? <laughs> a millennial. <laughs> I'm dead serious though. You go to rewind like if you rewind a show, let's say, let's say for you uh you're you're watching Letter Kenny right? And, and and one of their commercials pops up. You rewind past it because you want to rewatch a scene and it goes forward. It stops and makes you watch that commercial again. Dude, that's the whole point of a DVR is I don't have to watch commercials.
1: That's, that's the worst part. That was the worst part of having UVerse, which is what I had when I lived in Eureka. I have AT&T TV now. But in UVerse, like when I would, I would DVR one of my favorite shows like American Greed or Forensic Files, and I'd go to watch that episode some networks, some channels would let you fast forward through the commercials and, and just go right to the next. Day. Other channels, this program is not fast forwardable. Message it would come across the screen, and I just want to pull a Chris Kerber yant and scream and throw my remote at the dog, and then go kick the other dog because I'm so upset about something stupid like that. Wait
0: a minute! I didn't say anything about kicking your pet. Don't throw me in there. Don't let no, me I don't, in. don't let I, me I, in I, with I kicking your pet. I might well, eat well, your you, fish, I, but that's about it. Well, you get Hey man, when you get on your rant tone, when you
1: get when you go on on dot uh, uh, com uh, with your with one of your rant, you you, you get to the blood pressure boiling point <laughs> to where it's it's dog kicking a uh, dangerous
0: area. Oh, the dog's always so, safe.
1: I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm just telling you the, the, the the tone. Oh, the tone, the tone analogizes to the possibility a dog might get kicked when you when you rant is
2: what I'm uh, saying. Well, I can I can I can tell you this much right now. About half the Italian side, maybe three quarters of the Italian side of my family, and the other half, which is made up of mutt, from Hungarians to Englishmen to Germans and everything else. About seventy-five percent of those would start kicking you if you ever kicked a dog. Now, <laughs> well,
1: first of all, you just said three quarters of my family's uh, Italian, and the other very half, nice. There's not hundred percent in this, John. You're very nice. You need to go back to math school.
2: Very nice. You caught that. Uh, Very, very strong. But I'm I'm saying, I'm telling you this much right now. When you bring up Letter Kenny and you bring up American Greed, my ears perk up. Because you know that, I'll tell you this much right now, the Canadians have really become good for only one thing, and that's their comedy. (laughs) And, and And some of their suspense thrillers, because... They can't produce a legit hockey team. They just can't anymore. They predict they produce players, but they can't produce
0: teams of any sort. So how about he, them, whoa, whoa, they, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm i I'm gonna I'm going I'm 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 wait 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 a minute. How about the fact that eleven of the top fifteen goal scorers right now in the National Hockey League are American born? Yeah. I mean that's yeah, like I mean, that I don't it's think that that's, that's, that's not a, that's not a factor is that to just brush over. I, I think it says something.
2: No, it does. But well, look at the look at the way that I mean, in, in a serious sense, look how far the Canadians have been playing hockey since 1611. Americans really started playing hockey about 45, 50 years ago, <laughs> and we really started taking it serious like 25 years ago, and we've already owned them. We own, but but yeah. Well, as long how come we can't America- do the same thing in the sport of
1: soccer? Well, I, I have this vision of John Hadley line and rereading sports pages from 1611, and and reading about the hockey games that took place back then. I, I just have this vision of John Hadley doing that. It, big big letters, big letters.
2: But I, I I will tell you this much, Herb's. You make an excellent point. You make an excellent point because there is absolutely no reason this country shouldn't be a dominant force in soccer, and yet we're an embarrassment. We're, we're an embarrassment to ourselves and the Boy Scouts of America with the way that we participate nationally with our men's national team. It's pathetic. It is. Pathetic. But Canada, again, I'm sorry, but I, I have this pity thing going on for Canada because the U.S. women have caught them too. I mean, they got Canada has nothing other than the fact that they get to travel easily and quickly into the United
1: States. <laughs> well, first of all, they've got better donuts than we have. They've got cleaner strip joints than we have, and they have the toonie, which is the $2 coin, which we don't have, which I wish we would because it would make engaging in commerce a, a lot easier. They, they, there are a couple things they do better than
0: Wait, that. Wait, you, listen. You want more coins in your pocket? Right. Is
1: that I'm what just, you're saying? I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying that having the uh, the, the $2, the, the toonie is, is, is something they have that's better than what we have for a $2 uh, commerce. We have a $2 bill that nobody uses.
0: No, everybody nobody,
2: keeps it. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants it. I'm just, I'm, I'm listen, all I
0: know is this is when we go on a Canadian road trip, I come back and I sound like, like that. I got a baggie in a drawer here that every now and when we go up to Canada, I take it up there and I see if I can kind of, uh, how quickly I can use all the coins. They got a lot, they use a lot of coins in Canada. They do. They do. It's a coin
1: based country, John.
0: They, they, they use a lot of – hey, all right, listen, let's do this. I'm going to jump over to the Blues here um, since we started, and then we're going to get back into the NHL. Can, we're going to – oh, you got more. You, just, you're on a roll. Can,
2: I just want to say one thing. I am so tired of ex-players ripping coaches. Let me tell you something right now. About 90% of the people who played hockey for Mike Babcock didn't win a damn thing before Mike Babcock came in their coach and didn't win a damn thing after Mike Babcock became their coach. Mike Babcock, no matter how you want to cut it, is one of the greatest coaches in NHL history, and all you whiners and criers, Mike Commodore, Mike Commodore, please. Mike Commodore wouldn't rank among the 5,000 greatest players in NHL history. Mike Commodore, just shut your pie hole and be happy that you had a chance to play in this league. And fortunate enough, the coaches allows you to get on the ice because you were about as
0: important as a screen door on a submarine. All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kirk. What? Okay, th- let's start there, John. Uh, let's get let's let's help you unwind a little bit here. Uh, I know the the Cam and Strict podcast did an excellent interview with 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 Mike Bob- Babcock. Mike Babcock right now is in a bit of an imagery building uh, campaign with the stuff he's doing on NBC and and the different interviews and things he had. There's no doubt he's a hell of a hockey coach, but he's also proven to be uh, old school enough that I don't know where it sits with today's player, and that's going to be the hard part to re- to reinvent himself. I the problem that you have, John, is you've got man, you've got the you've got the, I I think just you you have the complete collision of eras and different type of athlete that are colliding along this line. And, and, and I don't know, there's, a, there's a way to avoid it. Well, let me, let me say something about Mike Commodore real quick. Okay.
1: Cause I, I have a little bit of insight into this. Mike Babcock used to be the head coach of the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks, in the American hockey league. And I was with the Kentucky Terrible. They were our main rival. They were our closest rival. We were an hour apart and Mike Commodore played with the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks when Mike Babcock was the coach there. And, Mike Commodore was a rising star at the time, but he claimed, he actually, as a minor leaguer, complained publicly. And when you're in a minor league, you shut your mouth to the media, especially when he comes to trash on a coach or anybody in your organization. You know? Mike Commodore, at the AHL level, ripped Mike Babcock and accused him of venting him in flavor of a, of a player named Kurt Sauer and, and, and came out in the paper and ripped him then. And he has had a long-time career on Twitter of being way over the line in terms of the verbiage he uses with regard to Mike Babcock. He repeatedly referred to him as a POS. And we all know what that stands for. He says he hopes to get hit by a truck. I mean, he's 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 angry and to hear anything more that he says about him, John, just let it go in one ear and out the other, because he's been on the Mike Babcock, kick him off a cliff train for about 25 years now. And it's getting old and it's stupid.
2: I know this much. Mike Babcock has a lot of rings. That's all I gotta say. He's got one. Well, I didn't say if they were Stanley Cup rings. I said he's got a lot of rings. Oh well. <laughs> you, how about
1: that so, backpedal, curve Why don't You just slap him in the face, and he's, 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 he's his knees are
0: wobbling. I didn't. Well, I didn't. Kind of like I just. Well, I... <laughs> You know, but, okay. But when you sign the contract that Mike signed in Toronto and you're going to be the one to turn it around and then all that heck breaks loose, I mean, it, it comes with the territory. It just it, it comes with the job. I, I think for the most part, you, you know what I find? Okay, this, this is going to take us down. This is going to take this episode down a road that maybe we didn't plan to go to, and, I, and I'm totally cool with that. Athletes and coaches. Ath- athletes and coaches. I'm finding that more and more, although in all due respect, uh, I I think the NHL seems to be more quiet on this front than than the other sports are. But more and more, I'm, I'm finding that athletes want a say in every aspect of the business. Right? They want to be able to say who they play with, who is signed as a free agent, who gets traded for, right? Who's going to be their coach? Who's going to be the GM? How the, how the front office runs their business operations, right? They want to say in all that. But they don't want the responsibility to do more than just play the game, right? So whether it be an athlete sitting in front of a microphone, griping about something, right, will be the same athlete that is griping about the quote-unquote media aspect of things, Right, I mean, you got to get a kick out of Marshawn Lynch, don't you? In subway commercials now for a guy that that handled things the way he did as a player. I mean, good for him. I, I don't, I don't begrudge a guy making money or or, or doing anything like that. I mean, good, and, and it worked. And, and I understand why. I understand why some guys turn it off because of how, say, the media handle things. But in general, I find that unless you're willing to put yourself out there and do some of the work that so many others in the industry are doing to make sports happen besides just play it, I don't have a whole lot of room for too many opinions on the other side unless you're willing to put yourself out there and be a part of that. And that's that's kind of where I'm kind of going with this. I, 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 there's no... There's hierarchy... There's there's different roles in organizations that have to be played, and and everybody kind of has to figure out what those roles are, and you got to pull that rope in the same direction if you are going to win a championship. There is no doubt about that. Um, and but from an athlete standpoint, if you want to be the athlete, be the athlete. Uh, if 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 you want more of a role with the organization that means being more than just the athlete. And, and and that has other demands that go with it that you have to deal with. I mean,
2: again, it's, it's just real simple. Mike, Babcock's, Mike Babcock has won amateur championships. He's won Olympic championships. He won a Stanley Cup. He's taken a team to the Stanley Cup three or four times. Go back and show me how many times Mike Babcock, who oftentimes took teams into the conference semis, tell me how many times is Mike Babcock has lost a playoff series to an inferior opponent.
1: Or, or even missed the playoffs. I mean, I, I think he's only missed the playoffs twice in 15 or 16 years of coaching in the NHL. I mean,
2: I, I assure you, those Bruins and Capitals teams that beat his Toronto
0: teams were better hockey teams, Curves. They were just better hockey well, teams. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I, I don't disagree with that part. I don't disagree with that part.
2: It's just to the point where these. I mean, it's just it, it's just amazing to me because the sport of hockey was always far more advanced than players getting coaches fired than ever before. But now it just seems like any player could just pop off about anyone. You know, I mean, Mike Babcock, in many ways, is similar to Joe Quinville Joe Quinville did not win a Stanley Cup, did not play into a Stanley Cup, did not win a conference championship during his stay with the St. Louis Blues. But I'm not sure if the St. Louis Blues will ever have a better hockey coach than Joe Wenzel. Joe Quinville just happened to be the coach of this team when Colorado and Detroit had some of the best teams in the during their the, during the last fifty years of the sport, and the, and the Dallas Stars also happened to be a pretty good team during that time frame. And and speaking of coaches,
1: how about the Calgary Flames pulling a mini Chicago White Sox Tony Larusa cameo and rehiring Daryl Sutter? 18 years after he last coached there, it's his fifth head coaching job in the National Hockey League. And I believe he makes his debut tonight as the coach of that team. He's 62 years old. And as the White Sox did with Larusa, the Calgary Flames, a dog always returns to its vomit. They're going right back to Daryl Sutter and saying, save us.
0: And I think it could work. Well, it can't get, can't get much worse. Well, but that's the point. That That's the point. Look, Okay, so Toronto, go back to Mike Babcock and Toronto. You're rebuilding a team, right? And you bring in these young players, and and they've got to find a way to learn, and and they've got to find a way to deal with it. And to do that, it's going to take some lumps. And and they weren't able to get to get through those lumps with Mike Babcock as their head coach. The St. Louis Blues, all right. You go from from uh, they they go through the coaching changes. And eventually, turn around and they bring in from, they go from Davis Payne and they bring in Ken Hitchcock. And Doug Armstrong looks at the team and says, I now know I've got a good coach. I know I have a good coach. So if something doesn't work, it's going to be because of who I got in this room, not because of my coach. And it immediately, immediately, it absolutely immediately flipped the script, and put the onus of winning onto the players. And and I think it worked. In these other situations, and and when you look at Toronto, uh, you could make the case for Buffalo, Calgary right now. Um, I'm not going to go, Anaheim's just not not a very good team. You look in those situations and those teams there, they're in that same exact spot. And who is going to argue Right now, that is on the Calgary Flames squad with the success of Daryl Sutter, especially with what he was able to do, for example, in Los Angeles, and he won games in in, in San Jose too. Look, like, guys, this is this is something that could work. That could bring some needed structure and some needed uh, just some needed fire to the Calgary Flames. And and I I don't I'm surprised by it, but but they needed a surefire thing. They needed that guy, and and Daryl Sutter might be that guy. I don't have a problem with this move. I tell you, boys. I just
2: I, I'm just, I'm just sitting here, I could talk for three hours today. Because what I have watched this year, man, I, I just I love literally filling into the lazy boy, having a computer, doing a few things, kicking back, and watching five hours of hockey every night. And, I, and 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 while I remain a diehard Blues fan, I got to tell you right now, I enjoy watching the Minnesota Wild play hockey. I enjoy watching that team play hockey. Have
1: you seen the shirts, John, that they created for their uh, rook, their dazzling rookie, Kirill Kaprizov? Was the shirts that one of the teammates created for him? Have you seen those? I have not. So some one of his one of his teammates gave Kirill Kaprizov the nickname, Dollar Dollar Bill Kirill. And they printed shirts that say Dollar Dollar Bill Carril because he's money. <laughs> and they're selling these shirts on their website through their Twitter page and stuff, and the, and the boys are wearing them around the locker room. I mean, I mean, what better way to welcome in a rookie to a team than for a guy in the locker room to create a shirt and a nickname in your honor, and then for everybody to wear it in the locker room. Kirill Kaprizov has to be just on cloud nine
2: these days. And I've I've mentioned the Wild on this show before. I've mentioned the Carolina Hurricanes on this show before, Um, both in a very positive sense. I sat there and said, boys, there's no doubt in my mind that the Islanders will make the playoffs about uh, four weeks ago. Islanders are on top of the division. I've been right a lot, but I'll tell you this much right now. I could not have been more wrong. I couldn't get to right with a space shuttle when it comes to the Chicago Blackhawks. And what pains me most is I sit there and just despise this hockey team. That's been another
0: fun team to watch. What did, well, Chicago, and and what did Chicago and Minnesota find? What did Chicago and Minnesota find that maybe they knew they had a chance, but it had to be proven? Goaltending. Yeah. Goaltending. Yeah, great
1: point. Yeah. Well, and, and speaking of goaltending, the Blues are going to see a goaltender this weekend that I, I, I think is, is if you were to vote on an MVP in the league right now, I, I think he should be given serious consideration. Mark andre Fleury is 36 years old. This guy was the number one overall draft pick in 2003, I believe. Uh, he has made 17 starts this year. He's only allowed 29 goals, and he's allowed four goals in three of those starts, which means he's only given up 17 total goals in fourteen other starts other than the games in which he got led in four, which he did last night and he got pulled for the first time all year, I might add. But Robin Lehner, who started all their playoff games last year in the Edmonton bubble, is in the minors. He's in the American Hockey League. And Marc Andre Fleury at age thirty six with a goals against of one point seven three, the best. Without question, Gold center in the National Hockey League this year is going to be at Enterprise Center Friday and Saturday night.
0: Some of the best Burn, moves. Watch
2: yourself, Woodburn. Watch yourself, Woodburn. Watch Burn. what? Watch I what? will not allow you to say and almost disdain American Hockey League when you and Kerber, that's where you guys made your bones. Whenever you say American <laughs> Hockey League, you say the American Hockey League. But he got demoted.
1: Okay, Kerber and I were in the American Hockey. We were excited to be there because we had been promoted. This guy got demoted.
0: It's different. <laughs> Hey, sometimes the greatest moves are the ones that never happened, are isn't it? I mean, what if they had oh, been yeah. able to move Flurry or what if, you know, I mean, you name it. It's that, that's that, that's phenomenal <laughs> there. Wow, what an episode this week, fellas, as uh, we wrap up another edition, episode 10 of Bourbon Biscuits and Barn Burners. Uh, We've got a great whiskey we're going to tell you about. Stay tuned. We'll have a weekend edition coming your way after we get done with the Vegas series over the next couple of days. But, but, it is Bobby Plager's birthday. And no better way to end this podcast than a barn burner or two, which is our story time. When it comes to Bobby Plager and Tim, you were lucky enough just yesterday to run into the guy, weren't you?
1: I did uh, at, at Bobby's place. I might add in Valley park, the the, the the restaurant that's named after him, where he hangs out all the time and he floats around and tells stories, to different people. So I was, at a, I was at a table with about five people and he would tell stories about fighting his brother Barkley and all this other stuff. But we, we got into, we got into the whole subject of fighting and here's the barn burner to end this podcast. Bobby Plager, when he first entered the National Hockey League, they didn't have plexiglass behind the bench. And, and and like maybe his first or second year in the NHL, the NHL finally decided to put some plexiglass back there, but it wasn't as high as the plexiglass that's around the entire rest of the rink. And so they were in Detroit and he told us this story last night, which is just unbelievably hilarious. They're in Detroit and this fan is just giving it to them right behind the bench. And eventually the fan reaches over the short glass that's behind the bench and he smacks Bobby player in the helmet and, and calls him a name. And in the middle of the game, I might add Bobby player turns around and grabs this guy. And he said he was a hippie and he had a lot of hair. So he grabs this guy by the hair, not by the neck, not by the shirt. He grabs him by the hair and lifts him up over the short plexiglass to where now the guy his waistline is on top of the plexiglass. He's half on the blues bench, and his legs are in the fan area. And whoever was sitting next to Bobby Plager, one guy on his right, one guy on his left, they just start pumping this guy with punches. And I mean, Bobby Plager said this guy must have took—he must have took fifteen, twenty punches directly to the face. And, and none of the fans were helping him, and they were just. And I'm holding them right. I'm holding them steady so that they can give it to this guy. And finally, this guy like puts his hands on the on the short plexiglass and shoves himself away hard enough from the glass to where he separated from Bobby Plager, but he didn't completely separate from Bobby Plager because Bobby Plager had two clumps of hair in his hand. He had ripped the hair out of this guy's head with both hands. That's how violent the separation was. And this guy was like in the fourth row. And so Plager still turned around and the rest of the team's turning around and the guy goes back to the fourth row And the guy looks at Plager and he goes, come on, come on, come on, I'll still take it, come on. And Plager looks at him and he goes, hey, buddy, anybody that could take that many punches and lose two clumps of hair, I don't want to mess with you anymore. Have a good night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I I will end it with this. One of my all-time favorite nights as a member of the Blues organization, is the night we retired that number five. And I think what makes it so doggone cool is the fact that it wasn't a number retired because of epic numbers on the ice, right? It wasn't a number retired because of Hall of Fame greatness as a player. It was a number retired because of who the man is and has been to an organization and a city for as long as he has, 50-plus years, since day one, since day one. And it's it's one of those rare ones that you do because of the entire picture. And you know that it meant every bit to every fan as it did to Bobby. It was Bobby's idea to actually bring down the number eight and then raise the two numbers together we told him it wasn't possible, and then we thought, "Geez, that's a hell of a good idea," and we did it anyway. And that—that's how cool a surprise it was for Bobby, that he didn't even know his his own idea was was going to be uh, was going to to be used. But like, I, there is nobody I know in sports that represents the word team that just cares as much about every person he comes in contact with and his organization. He still, I, I'm telling you guys, he still wears that blue note with more pride than anybody, anybody that's either currently wearing it on the ice or part of the organization. You can't out pride this guy when it comes to that. I, I love the man as, as as a person, as a friend, a close, dear friend now, and and one of my all time favorite moments, hands down. It will rank up there with winning the Stanley Cup as an organization was was giving Bobby the respect he deserved by retiring that number.
1: And, and the whole way they did it with with lowering Barkley's jersey, and then him and Bobby rising to the top together. I mean, that that's unprecedented in any type of jersey retirement ceremony I've ever seen or witnessed. And I'd agree with you wholeheartedly. It's one of my, I, I mean, honestly, it's one of my top five sports memories of my life.
2: Bobby Plager, man. All right, you have to do is just
0: say his name, and most everyone's reaction is the very statement it begins with a smile. And that's why when he signs everything, you know it's a genuine Bobby Plager autograph when you see the two eyes and a smiley face that he puts inside the P for Plager. There you go. So that <laughs> is that. That is the way to end it, fellas. Awesome, <laughs> awesome week. Uh, let's uh, we'll we'll kick one off and we'll do a weekend version after the Vegas game. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, that is Tim Woodburn, John Hadley. I'm Chris Kirby. You're listening to Bourbon Biscuits and Burn Burners. You can get it as well. You know where to get it because you already downloaded it. But tell your friends about it and download it and subscribe to it on any of the podcast platforms. Have a terrific next couple of days. A weekend version coming your way in a few days.